0: Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Joined as I as I always am on Sundays, uh, coming to you on Monday, of course, by my co-host Jeremy Cohen. Um, Jeremy, hello, sir. John, how are you? I am. I am well. Um, so we were just talking a moment ago about how it is my daughter's birthday tomorrow. And it is your father, Doug's, birthday today. So uh, happy birthday to them both. And thank both of them for <laughs> speaking of the devil. Yes, I see your colored water bottle that you've just spent the last hour, half, half an hour making. It's beautiful. It's very nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, a couple things. One, this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode because we both have... You know, we have family stuff going on, but we're, we, we, this is important to us. We, we feel like we are valued members of your lives. Um, that's what I tell myself. So if it's a lie, don't tell me it's a lie. You believe that, right, Jeremy? We're valued members of the Knicks community. I'd like to think so. I hope so. No.
1: Uh, yeah. Dude, I, I value other people as well. I value our listeners. So I'd hope that it's a mutual, mutual value of sorts. So yeah, let's
0: go with yes. I've never met like 95% of our listeners and they are closer to me than most of my close friends and family. So um I hope the feeling is mutual. But so before we came on, you were like, what's your daughter's name again? And I said, Scarlet Ray. And you were like, is Ray her middle name? So fun trick, any husbands out there, if you want to sneak a name past your wife, um, do what I did, which is we had talked about Scarlet Ray as her name But we had never finalized whether Ray would be part of her first name or her middle name, which is what my wife wanted. I wanted her first name to be Scarlett Ray. And so, like, I don't know, 45 seconds after my wife had pushed our child out of her hoo-ha, I was like... (laughs) She's laughing in the background. I was like, "Hey, is it cool if we make Scarlet Ray the first name?" And she, I think, nodded. I took it as a nod. So thus, Scarlet Ray went down on her birth certificate as her first name, and that is how it is. And I think my wife is still mad at me to this day.
1: He waited forty-five seconds. Um, wow! Yeah, I, I was that. I was that polite. <laughs> Were you waffling on a minute? You're like, uh, maybe you know, I could probably cut it a little bit closer. Like, what was the breaking point?
0: Um, well, I think I had. It was when I got the scissors out of my hands from cutting, or maybe I didn't even cut, cut the umbilical cord. I don't remember that. That day was a blur. Um, did I? Yeah, I d- okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get to do it all over again in about six months. Anyway, um, as this is not a pregnancy and or baby naming podcast, it is a Knicks podcast. Um, we, there, It's it was kind of a slow week in Knicks news, which is funny because this is the first week that, um, there were actual Knicks doing basketball things together, but not together. Um, have you, have you taken much from these uh, carefully, uh, um, well, not, I don't want to say leaked, but carefully distributed photos that the Knicks Twitter account has been putting out? I don't even know what to take away from it. I don't think there is anything to take away.
1: I think it's just nice that they've got, that everyone's together and the players are learning and it's a social distancing of sorts. You know, you've got some coaches who might be more at risk given their age and they've got masks on that's awesome to see but otherwise it's like okay um Mitchell Robinson is working with Kenny Payne that's what we know um other than that I I, you know from the random photos that go up it's kind of meaningless so I'm hoping we learn a little bit more because there really hasn't been much for us to take into consideration these last seven months so um yeah you know it's just fun it's fun I'm just They're waiting.
0: Back. That's great. I'm waiting for next week when we get the, you know, the, the Mark Berman, uh, New York post morning, like, you know, where, where it has it that Dennis Smith jr. Is killing it, killing it in work and in, in team, team workouts or five on fives or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, it's coming or some, some oh. such random thing. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Our topic for the week. So it's been a slow news week. So what we decided to do was there's been two names that popped up in the news. One as seems to be gaining steam. Um, maybe that's just my perception. Do you feel like the Chris Paul thing is gaining steam, Jeremy?
1: It feels like Groundhog Day to me. It's the sort of thing where <laughs> it great. feels like every week it's the same topic, but um, it's, like a, it's just kind of a new twist to it. Like maybe today Bill Murray punches uh i think his name was ed maybe he goes to the the diner and just listens to people and their problems and see how he can help how he can help maybe this is the day he learns piano but at the end of the day it's still bill murray um in this town with the groundhog so you know i mean it feels like people i don't know i don't know what's really driving it to be quite honest but well, there's kind of been, been some leaks, like, which I, sure,
0: yeah, I guess I've I, I, I've been I, I, responsible well, for out. one of them.
1: <laughs> yes. But, yes. So, you know, I don't I'm trying to figure out in addition to that, is it the sort of thing where others recognize that there's really not a huge conversation around other things right now or are there developments? And you probably be the best person to ask about that. What would yeah. you say is more I kind of the
0: status quo? Um, I think it's a little column A and a little bit of column B. I just hope I'm not Ned with Nick's, Nick's Twitter, you know, eventually wanting to punch me in the face. Um, although I feel like that's where this is headed. Um, I don't know. I, I think there is a little bit of a lack of other news um, because like realistically, who else are they going to be t- like, we did the Donovan Mitchell thing, you know, Anthony Davis is on the verge of winning a championship. I, I, I'm, I Who knows? Maybe he does something silly, but like it, it, it feels like. All of the other trade rumory type folks are have been phased out of the conversation, and we're left with Chris Paul. Um, you know, and does that coincide with the fact that he is the most realistic trade target for them, at least as far as like significant upgrades go? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, he also just made second team All NBA this season, which or this a few days ago, which we should say, and that's maybe a good entry point into our conversation because the other guy that showed up from. I'll I'll call it a newsbreaking breaking NBA Twitter uh, aggregation site. I don't know. Is it was it Ross? Hoops. Is that it? Was that it? The yeah. 20. 20- <laughs> I like how you can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> no,
1: because my a friend of mine who's a Hawks fan always sends me these tweets and I'm like, dude, stop sending me fucking Ross tweets there. He's just making things up consistently.
0: I mean, like,
1: yeah, yeah. no rumors. And all of a sudden it's rushing like, all right, Frankie Laquina. He's gone. It's like, all right, well, from where did you hear that, Ross? What person told you first, and no one else? It's like, oh well, that's the case. So like, they want to trade for this player. Great. Okay. Um. Again, you're the primary source. I don't see you being the best person here. So, yeah. No. It, it go on. But Ross, Ross.
0: No. And I. And I just want to say. And again, I, I'm probably not supposed to say this as someone who wants to be taken serious. Or maybe I, this is the right thing to say if I want to be taken seriously as someone who who like has stuff that gets out there. If there's one thing that I will tell any listener who wants to know what's going on with the Knicks, like the only thing that I'm 100 percent sure of is that Leon Rose is not doing a lot of talking and that the, the the few, the very little bit that I can get from within the Knicks, the thing that I that I have had like concretely told to me is that the things that matter he plays close to the vest, and that's why, like, I've passed along, like, okay, these are guys you know the Knicks may be interested in, or or looking further into in terms of the draft, or these are names that have been discussed in possible Chris Paul packages. I'm like, yes, Chris Paul is a guy that they are considering making you know a trade pack, like that stuff. If you hear that stuff, I think there's some credence to it because you know those are like team uh, when i say team-wide i mean like front office team like team-wide discussions and like other people within the organization and maybe in some other organizations get wind of that kind of thing but in terms of like the knicks have decided to trade frank miller like come let's you know let's use our common sense here folks anyway that account had the fred van fleet rumored 22 million dollar a year offer boy that's what do you think of that one, Jeremy? Would you Would you pay Mr. Uh, Van Vliet uh, $22 um, million American dollars per year? Yeah, you know, I would. Um, you really would? It, it,
1: the, well, so here's the, the reason why I would. Um, I mean, again, I don't. I think you can look at Van Vliet aside from Chris Paul. Um, personally, I would rather take Van Vliet for half of what Chris Paul's earning versus trading assets for Chris Paul. But the thing with Van Vliet is it's not necessarily against Chris Paul. It could just be Van Vliet or not. I still believe he'll re-sign in Toronto. Um, but if he doesn't, I mean, again, I look at it kind of like the Brogdon deal. It's He's not Brogdon. And, I mean, there's still different players, obviously. Um, but it's the sort of thing where I think it's really tough to find competent point guards. And I know that Van Vliet, even if he's making a bit more money, uh, and by a bit, I don't mean relative to the contract he is now. I'm saying uh, if he's making above, you know, 18, 20 million dollars, he's still going to have positive trade value of some sort because he's the type of player that I think a lot of teams would really love to have. So it's, you know, I mean, he's 26 years old. He's an unrestricted free agent. I don't feel like he's going to sign a four year deal because that would put him at 30. And it's a lot easier to get a contract at 29 than it is at 30. Um so, you know, yes, I mean, I would give it. I don't – I really like him and I think he's probably the only – I shouldn't say the only. He, he gives the Knicks the best chance of trying to trend upwards um, from a non-internal you know internal standpoint. Like and if you looked at the free agent trade market, uh, he's probably the guy who can best help you – get there who's realistic Uh, it's a question there of is that something the Knicks want do they want to take a year where they start to show improvement or do they just kind of want to do what Tibbs did his first year in Minnesota which was just take the players that you have maybe add someone or some players who can then assist in that way uh, see where the cards fall and then act accordingly but I, I think I would
0: um I don't know I, it, it feels so. So, there's a couple of things here. If it's $22 million annually, that's different than a four year contract that starts at $22 million um, with the raises that the Knicks could give him, because that adds another um, roughly six ish million to the total deal. And it's very different. <laughs> It's very different from a sign in trade that starts at twenty-two million dollars with maximum raises because then you can go up by eight percent a year. And then you're really talking about some 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 matzo balls there. Um It feels a little queasy to me. I'm not gonna lie. Um I don't I'm not gonna say I vehemently disagree on this one, but I think where I've settled into Van Fleet is let me ask you this. Can I do you think Marcus Smart's on a fair contract, or do you think Marcus Smart's on an undervalued contract? I he's making twelve. He's, playing, he's t- making twelve a year.
1: Yeah, the way he's playing, he's definitely undervalued on the open market. I think Marcus Smart would probably cost around twenty million dollars. Wow, man. Okay. I well think about. It. I mean, he's the type of player and what he brings that helps impact winning is so key that so many teams would want that. Yeah, I um, get- and I think if you're if you're a team that has Again, this is what it comes down to. He's not the perfect fit for every team. So if you're a team that maybe has like, let's say, I don't know, Dallas, right? Like if Dallas opened up cap space and figured out a way to sign Marcus Smart, assuming he was on the free agent market next year, which he won't be, but let's just play along. I think that they would probably settle for him and another free agent and they could pay him around $18, $20 million and another free agent, say like 10 to 13, and that would complement the team really well. Um, but I am with you in terms of Vleet. If 22 is the starting point, that, that definitely starts to make me a little queasy. I would like to have a declining or a descending contract. And using this year as the first year when it's like, who else are you really going to get? That would make more sense and have it scaled down from there. But if you're scaling up from 22, that's a different story.
0: Oh, man. I really... <sighs> I got to be honest with you. When you said 20, I almost fell off my chair, but, but hold on. There's a, there's a butt coming. Um, Pat Beverly a year ago signed three for 40. Now, granted that is a, a piece that the Clippers were like, okay, we've got our main shit. We could now add stuff, even if it's an overpay. And they looked at Pat Beverly as what the, fourth, fifth most important guy on the roster, some whereabouts, right? Um, And they gave him 13.3 annually, and he averaged, you want to take a guess What Pat? I mean, like, look, Pat Beverly, Pat Beverly is not a guy you look at his stat line to determine his worth, but for shits and giggles, do you want to know how many points a game Pat Beverly averaged last year? I'm not even talking about this year, last year. Was not like eight? 7.6. Yeah. His average actually went up this year to 7.9. So, coming off of 7.6, five rebounds and 3.8 dimes, dude got three for 40.
1: I he's s- also 31. Keep in mind that He's
0: oh got.
1: Uh, a, a, there's a big difference. You're paying for what, five, four years? I mean, compared to Van Vliet, it's five. Smart, it's probably around three to four years difference. Um, I think that's huge in terms of how it impacts that. I think that it's not out of the question, especially when you see Brogdon what he got and how that so, was even a sign and trade and so, it caused it cost a first round pick on top of that so
0: brogdon That's, is a bit but at the same time brogdon i think is a playmaker as like a true this is your point guard and you don't have to worry about ever having another point guard on the floor because this dude is your point guard not he's your best he's your engine he's your best offensive player but he's your point guard he's i up think 25049 which is, well, the, and, and, and there's that. And so that got him, was it? It wasn't 20. Was it 22? What was that kind of, I'll look it up right now. You, or unless you know it off the top of your head. Um, I feel I like it was, I think a, it was around, definitely around 20. 85. Okay, so average okay. of 21.25. So you know, look at inflation. Although in the mar in this market, which is another part of this, I, man, I think so. I think Marcus Smart. I think more like fifteen. If he was a free agent right now, would be like fifteen, sixteen. And so that means Fred Van Fleet is like fair value, eighteen to twenty. Especially in light of the Brogdon. And so yeah, I guess it's not crazy to be like, okay, I want the guy. I got to pay him two extra million dollars a year. Oh, yeah.
1: That's, again, it's like, it's, it feels like a lot, but I think it, fe- it, it just doesn't, thing ugh,
0: maybe, I don't like more
1: towards recent past, which is, so it, you know, we're not taking into account what the developments are. So I, I do think that it's probably fair for him to get in that $20 million range. Whether or not we feel comfortable with a team like the Knicks giving to him is a completely different story. Well, but he, d- he yeah. has earned at least 18.
0: So that gets to now twenty minutes into the podcast. What was going to be, and and you know all of this goes to the discussion that was was is going to be the main question, and I think we could answer it pretty quickly, at least in terms of how we feel. We could spend hours on this debating, but like if it's if it's Chris Paul or Van Fleet, and let's assume for argument's sake it's going to take. Four for 90, even let's say, fuck it, four for 90 for, for Van Fleet. That's the, that's the deal. So essentially, you have a choice of paying, paying Chris Paul the same amount. I know it's a few million dollars less, but more, more, pretty much the same amount over two years as you would to Fred Van Fleet over four years.
1: I can't, I mean, I would take, I would take Van Fleet in that case, but again, it, it depends what the deal is for Paul.
0: So I'm going to th- I'm going to throw out for you for argument's sake I'm I want this to be very made very clear for argument's sake they give up for Paul um I can't decide whether I think that they want to trade Randall or not fuck it they give up Randall Knox and the Pistons pick so You've called it an extra first-round pick several times on this very podcast because it, it, if it's not the thirty-first pick in the twenty-twenty-one draft, it's going to be the whatever thirty-second, thirty-third, something good. It'll be up there. That's the that's the trade.
1: So in the article that I have for the Strickland, I kind of asked because it's not a Chris Paul article, but I had to touch on it. I said, "Are fans really going to be that upset?" If it's Randall, Knox, and the 2023 Mavericks pick.
0: and You can use that. That's fine. You can use that pick. That's fine. This, uh, sure.
1: Um, again, I, I, I'm i still on board with not trading for Chris Paul. But, you know, it's really fascinating to me, John, because it's it goes. Like, – I'm going to give you an answer. Um, but before I do that, I, I've got to go a little bit deeper. Um, I feel like with Paul, it raises four questions, right? Uh, Number one, does Paul raise the ceilings or even the value of the the players around him? Two, what would acquiring him mean for 2021 draft and free agency? Three, what would New York deal for him? And four, how does taking on his salary affect team building? So, uh, you know, um, Pod Strickland and JB, they did a really fantastic job with this conversation. Um, And it got me thinking, you know, so with Chris Paul... And Schroeder, Dan Schroeder, and um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh, with Let's focus on Schroeder first. When Chris Paul and Schroeder on the floor together, they had a net value or the net rating of 15.4. Wow. With Paul okay. on, Schroeder off, it was negative 0.6. With CP3 off and Schroeder on, it was negative 6.2. And with CP3 and Schroeder both off, it was 11.3.
0: Negative or no, positive Negative, 11, negative, 11, negative 11. 11. So wait, hold on. Are you telling me with I, Chris Paul on the floor and Schroeder off, the Oklahoma City had a negative net rating?
1: Negative zero point six. However, it it depends on other players because with CP three and SGA on, it was plus seven point eight. With CP three on and SGA off, it was plus four point five. See, so there's the discrepancy with. 4.5 versus negative 0. Gotcha. 6. Yeah, with CP3 off and SGA on, it was negative 5.6 and CP3 and SGA off it was negative 11.9. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense that a guy who's all NBA this year is going to elevate the players around him, but it's pretty striking to me that with him off the floor and they're both on, I mean, we're talking about, both of them being more than negative 5.5. That's a lot. And we were talking about how SGA is in the conversation for most improved player. Look at what he's doing.
0: This would kind of seem gets- to be an argument for trading for Chris Paul. Am I missing
1: something? No, it is. It is. It absolutely is. Um, again, like I've said, I, I am against it, but I think we've got to talk through these talking points because um, it gets to more of a root of the conversation. Uh, so yeah, I think it does raise the ceilings and the floors of and the value of the players that are around him. Um, now, how that impacts the 2021 draft is fascinating to me because I think a lot of fans want to play for the draft pick, and I can't say I blame them. Um, but the question then is uh, with free agency, right? So, how exactly do fans think, or or why? Should, let me put it this way: if the if the Knicks are terrible next year. And yet they have room for two max salaries. Why would two players want to come to that team? And I'm talking, I'm not talking about like, you know, they wouldn't. Okay, bad. I'm talking, right. They wouldn't, they'd be awful. So then the thought process, and you know me, I'm, I consistently think about how the Knicks can save. So if these players won't come, what exactly are you using that cap space for? Now, this isn't an argument to trading assets to absorb said player like Chris Paul to take you out of the conversation. But instead, it's like, okay, well, if you're telling me that even if it were, even if the Knicks exited this offseason with Chris Paul on their team and managed to take on a salary dump, leading them to effectively um, a neutral or a push in that case of assets coming in and going out, is that really so terrible? Especially because the Knicks are going to be playing potentially the Atlantic division um, more than they normally would because of travel. That's what uh, Shams Charania of of the Athletic reported, that that's going to impact the team. He did. So if the Knicks are going to be playing the best division in basketball, far more than they would have before, is Chris Paul's addition really going to help them or hurt them? I I think it's an argument that you could say it's going to help them, maybe not in terms of the wins and losses, but it helps them mature as players and develop, which – If you're the Knicks, that's actually a perfect scenario that puts you in prime position for a great pick and your players are getting better. The problem is you're just playing far superior opponents. So So that's that's the second one. The third then comes down to what they would deal for him. So if it's that type of option, again, if the Knicks also then say... We know we're going to suck this year and we know we can get a bit better in 2021 uh, and we'll still have some room. But if we take on a salary dump that maybe expires that year and there aren't that many of them, um, my article does get into it, but there aren't that many. uh, Then maybe that's an opportunity for the Knicks to still spend, get assets, build without doing too much. Because the Thunder, looking at what they have and the other teams that are on the market, it's very possible that they could just say, uh, we just want to get rid of this contract. We don't want to deal with that final year. And we don't really want that many assets back. We just want to get this off the books because Chris Paul, like with the numbers I just told you, with Schroeder and SGA, and I'm sure you could see it with maybe some of the other players as well. He's the reason why he, like he's standing in between um, like Cade Cunningham tank and just like being mediocre in the West. And all credit to them, yeah. they did very well last year. But I don't think they're going to bring Garnier back. I don't think they're going to run it back. I think they're going to try to save it, some money and. It, and
0: if you take Chris up. Paul off the team, they're they're in the Cade K- sweepstakes. I think I think that's I don't think that's overstating anything. Um, did you wait? Was there a fourth um, point? I believe point was just how does
1: taking on his salary affect team building? And again, uh, okay, I think that that ties into twenty twenty one. Are you more likely to get a decent caliber player on free agency with Chris Paul on your con on the books or not and if it doesn't matter then and you've given up no assets and you know you're going to lose because you're playing great teams for the vast majority of the season to begin with what is really the issue and, so, and that is where I'm at that's why when I say and I compared me wanting Chris Paul I said I'd rather eat a raw blowfish I said this <laughs> in the Slack channel and for those of you who maybe aren't as aware that would kill you That was a week ago.
0: Talk about an old school Simpsons episode. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Throw it back. That's before you were born. Anyway.
1: I still watch Simpsons.
0: Uh, It's great. But yes, um, exactly. So it's the sort of thing where I
1: now – I'm at the point where I'm almost seemingly convincing Mm -hmm. myself or or spinning it in a way where if the Knicks do trade for him because – Let's face it. Uh, you wrote about it with Bucks Film Room, uh, Bucks Film Room, not Film School. Is that correct? Bucks Film Room. Yeah, I think so. Bucks yeah. Room about how a trade with Milwaukee might be pretty tough. Um, Philadelphia, if they don't want Tobias Harris's contract back, if they don't feel a, a dump and pump is in terms of his asset and try to trade him for more picks, <laughs> wait, is wait, a hold on, dump and, uh, Hold on. Who's getting credit for that? Wait, wait, wait.
0: Who's getting credit for that? Because I want to go write that person right now. Dump
1: and, uh, said, uh, dump and pump. said, Dump and pump. And I think it's great. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That. And that's fine. If they don't want Horford, because they've got so many picks, then they don't want to, uh, you know, he, Cor- Horford's a great uh, person a term, it, it seems, from just a, a locker room standpoint. But they don't really want a, a kind of like a bloated carcass of a contract on their books, probably. And they don't need the picks to do it. More picks are nice, but not if it means just killing Cap, I don't know exactly what they want, but that, that's the point. And the Suns, they don't really have the money to take I, on Chris. I, I, I don't see I, that happening. I just don't
0: think it works. It's not going to happen.
1: Right. So then you look at these teams, and maybe there's a surprise team in there, but that's the thing. The market will dictate what Chris Paul's worth is. And if you're telling me that maybe the value going out is Randall, who, again, if you trade Randall, you're actually you, – you're not – You know, it's not just adding Chris Paul's $41 million salary it's the difference between the two which i want to say is like 23 million dollars point being it's then like okay well again how does this tie into the draft and you go back to the same schedule conversation this is where i'm at and and it's it's frustrating because everything that i thought i felt i'm now thinking like yeah i, I could see why it's okay to do this do
0: the um the chris paul conversation has completely thrown everything that i Maybe not that I thought I believed, but, like, I think it's made me reexamine everything that I've thought to myself over the last several years about trying to build out the Knicks. And if I was listening to that as an audience member of this show, I would say, well, that's easy. Macri's just trying to talk himself into the thing that he thinks is going to happen so as to not be apoplectic after it does. And you know what? Listener of the show, you might be fucking right. Um, so that's number one. Two, I cannot – listen, there's so many logical discussion points to this conversation. You just went through them. I went through them in an article, um, I think it was last week at this point or two weeks ago, whatever it is, about how it's such a multilayered conversation, you know. And to that end, I just want to throw in two things. One, I don't think that they're going to give away anything in a trade that they think can come back and be of serious, significant value. I do not think that they will. I don't think they would include Kevin Knox in a trade if they actually believe Kevin Knox has a chance to be a really good player. Does that mean that they won't give him away and he ends up as a really good player? No, but I think they're not given anything up in this deal that they think has a even the, a liver's chance of coming back and biting them in the ass um, two I think Chris Paul is going to have a lot to do with where he goes and he may just be like yeah I'm cool with going to Milwaukee and trying to win a championship yeah I'm cool and go, cool with going to New York and 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 you know <laughs> playing in New York and, and hooking up with Leon Rose again um, but if he has a strong preference I think that'll have a lot to do with this more than any of this stuff though I just keep coming back to like okay They get Van Fleet, right? And he's a nice player. He's a really nice player. He could, I mean, shit, if they put enough other pieces around him, if they sign the right stretch for and they move around some some cogs and RJ improves and Tibbs really gets water out of enough stones, like, could Van Fleet, you know, be in the conversation for All-Star next year? Shit, yeah. I mean, if that dude's averaging 25 a game and the Knicks are within shouting distance of 500, why not, right? Um... That's a really nice player to have. And it's a guy that, like, is he going to be easy to trade in two years on his contract? Is he going to be hard to trade? Is he going to be, like, in demand? I I, I don't know. But that dude isn't Chris Paul because there's only, I don't know, six five, six guys, seven guys in the NBA. And that's not to say Chris Paul is still one of the five to seven best players in the NBA, but I do think Chris Paul is one of the five to seven most impactful players in the NBA in terms of the overall effect that he has on your organization, which gets back to the first thing I said when when I went on this mini diatribe, which is that it's forcing me to reexamine stuff. To me, that's like if – if you have a chance to bring a guy in and makes everybody take your organization seriously, both for like who he is as a player and also how he changes things instantaneously on the floor. And I'm so happy Jeremy before in all those on off statistics you shared, you didn't step on any of mine for my newsletter on Tuesday. So thank you for that. Cause I have a couple that are in my back pocket. Um, And it's just, I can't can't get around, I can't get past the importance of that simple fact that he comes in and it's like, oh, okay, they're a force to be reckoned with not only because of the reputation he brings and the players, you know, president of the Players Association and and all that stuff and individual talent, but because there is no such thing at at that point of coming in and being like, oh, it's the Knicks. Let's mark down a W if we just give a shit tonight. Now it's like, fuck, we got to actually play this game. Are we still probably going to win? Yeah. But like that change in organizational mentality for the young players on your roster. And I feel like we too often, and I've done this in the past, people will poo poo the the like, yeah, he's a good leader and he's good locker room presence and this. That. No, 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 no. It's so much more than that. Um, it forces your your team to fucking take itself seriously because Chris Paul takes himself very seriously. And I, yes, I know Thibodeau and the rest of the coaching staff and the front office. Like, yeah, that all helps that, but unless you got a guy on the floor who's like, oh wow, this dude's here now, and like, I love infleet he ain't doing that because he's like. <sighs> He's just, he's another guy. He's a really good guy. He's just, he's, but he's a guy. Chris Paul's not another guy. He's Chris Paul. Um, and last thing I'll say, it's two years on the contract as opposed to Van Fleet, which is four. And I get the money difference, but I almost think that they would rather have the the two year, get it, get it over with in two years and reap the rewards over that time as opposed to signing a dude for 22 a year who is he an $18 million player? Is he a $15 million player? Was this, is the shooting, you know, I mean, no reason to think the shooting but you, you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And I think
1: you could also say like Chris Paul, it's easy to imagine that for 41 and $45 million a year, you, the output that he's going to give you will not equate to that. This year, he was, I would say, at that level, if not going over. I think he earned his contract gone. this year. <laughs> yeah, say that's, that. that's the fairest way to put it. Will he earn it moving forward? I don't know. But again, we aren't there. If he's helping, if he does something or he does things to help Mitchell Robinson or R.J. Barrett or this year's draft pick or Frank Nielakina, whoever it may be. And turns them into winning players. And they look back and it's like, if I didn't have Chris Paul, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Then, I, you know, that is that is invaluable in some ways. And so then I, I go back to that conversation of, okay, let's throw both of these guys out there, right? Because an idea that I think a lot of Knicks fans have, and I, this is one I've been totally comfortable with, is saying, okay, let's bring in DJ Augustine for a year or a player like him. and then let's just see what happens a year from now. And the question that I then kind of go back to is like, well, what happens a year from now? It's like, well, anything. Okay. Right. Anything could happen. But what are you likely to really do? I mean, sure. You could potentially get some high, you know, you know like talented it's, free agents. It's the lottery. But, pick. But what, it's the lottery. Right, that's, pick. The thing. that's it. You're basically just saying, I want to lose games. And I, it's it's then a bigger conversation because, yes, yeah. I agree. The Can more I ju- games you lose, the, the higher the odds. But the one thing I'll say here, uh, and then, yes, please jump in, is I feel like if you do have a deeper draft, then you have a larger margin of error to win games. Because, again, the teams that have been dropping these last two years, it's a small sample size, but the teams that have dropped have been, I think, second, fourth, fifth, and sixth, something like that. And the teams that have risen – have been seventh and eighth. And that's why when we had the conversation after the lottery, where I felt like it, the question maybe shouldn't be, why did the Knicks lose more games? It should have been, maybe they should have won more games. And that's the that's the catch-22 with this whole system and why maybe we are having this loser mentality of thinking and there is a way to have your cake and eat it too. And you can start winning games and still move up. I wouldn't trust it based on the Knicks' luck, but, you know, the past is the past in terms of dropping or not rising the lottery. It just takes one it's, year to make that change. It's
0: and it, it, it's a deep draft, and I was texting with Spencer the other day about this uh, when... We were. T- I mentioned to him someone that I had heard the Knicks are are looking at that I'm not ready to say yet, but someone who's in the 2021 draft. And and Spencer was telling me that he would rather they look at a few other guys who are currently projected to be in like the bottom half of the top ten um, of next year's draft. And it's like it's that deep of a draft. And like the and this is, I guess, the last thing I want to say. I think there is this notion that if they go the DJ Augustine, you know. Bring in a stretch four and a one year vet or one year uh, contract, you know, make incremental improvements to the roster, this and that, go out, win 27 games, finish with a bottom four record. There's a way to do that and come out of the season feeling positive because you go out and you play hard every night and you. You play a style of ball that is commensurate with the the league right now, as opposed to something so fully antiquated that it is almost incomprehensible that they played a certain way last year and the year before that. We don't need to talk about it. Um, And there's this notion that like you that's the you could have your cake and eat it too for a lot of people. Right. It's like, yes, we're not going to win a lot of games, but. It's going to feel better because we have a real front office now who knows what they're doing and a real coaching staff and the whole thing. And I wonder – and I've made that argument. I have made that argument on this podcast. I've made it in newsletters. I've made it a lot. I'm I'm wondering if that isn't the, the pie in the sky. And if at the end of the day, if you suck, you suck. And the only, the only way to not suck anymore is – to not suck. Um, And if that's, if it's maybe a lot simpler and look, you know, Leon Rose brought a whole lot of people into the organization who have been in and around the NBA for (laughs) a hell of a long time. And I guess I trust those folks evaluations about like, this is the importance of bringing in a guy of this caliber to this organization right now, or we're okay Getting through another year of gobbledygook, hopefully better gobbledygook, but still gobbledygook. Um, And then, you know, we'll start to make the, you know, the significant push after we get another another piece. That's, again, a sure thing, which, again, may not even be a sure thing because of the new lottery odds, which complicate all of this. Yeah that's where I'm at. And we are at the 40 minute Mark. We said we weren't going to go past 40 minutes to honor our family. So Jeremy, that's the last I'm going to say anything else from you before we get out of here.
1: I, like, I feel like I'm talking myself into him the more I talk about it. And that's the crazy thing. It's again, I, we're not the ones involved in the situation, right? We, we see it from the games and the practices, but we're not interacting with the players on a daily basis. So if, you know, if Leon Rose working with um, Walt Perrin and Brock Aller and any of the other talented, and we know they're talented executives. If the conclusion from there is we need Chris Paul, you know, I might have some hesitations. I think it also, it does depend on what you're giving up. And that does mean opportunity cost as well. But if if they're at a point where they feel confident that they're committed to a two year, like, We're not going to go after free agents. We're not going to try to be this free agent hub. We're just really going to focus on what we've got. And then 2022, all this money comes off the books. Um, You know, you don't have enough to worry as much about the Mitchell Robinson conversation that we just had because you still want to be frugal. But at the same time, it's not like you have to play around with this contract, like the entire conversation around Robinson. It's like we can just offer him a good deal. And we don't have to have this stress of, are we going to have to add talented free agents around him? Uh, You you can kind of just build internally and hope the rest comes into place. So kind of simplifies things, simplifies a lot of things. It it really does. It really does. And again, I I think it's fine to consider the options that we've talked about before. You should be listening on every player. And I think you should still be making calls because if if someone's got to make the calls, not everyone can, can be listening the entire time. Um, so with that being said, a good you know, right. So so with that being said, I, you know, I would say I'm, it's still not my preferred option. But then when you really closely examine everything else, and still try to build a team that has a higher ceiling, and you're just kind of focusing on these next couple of years to really go all in and not have to worry about any outside distractions. I'm sure a lot of fans would love the idea of I don't have to hear about Knicks for clicks or whatever you want to call it. Because well, the idea is that. There's no cap space. There's no there's or at least there is, but it's not to get stars. You know who and else doesn't? complimentary players.
0: You know who else is sick of tired of hearing about next for clicks? Who's that? Is James Dolan? I I, yeah. I I think we could say that with with some with some pretty good authority, Um, and. Yeah, I just uh, I wonder what it would be like if this team just could get out of their own way for a period of time. And um, if they brought aboard that dude, um, that would happen.
1: And you Uh, have the perfect excuse, which is that we play in a really hard division and we can only play the teams who we face. I know that sounds very simplistic but that's the truth. If you're if you're not if you're exclusively or if you're playing your own division more than 20% of the season, which is on average what these teams do, they play 20% of their games against their division. If they play more than that, if it's 30, 40, 50, however many, then you could say, yeah, you know, of course we stunk. Look at our division. This is who we played. But but look at what we were able to do. Look at how we were able to improve as players. Look at what this can do for us moving forward. The sky's the limit for the guys that we have in this building. And you can really try to focus on the development factor.
0: And hey, if that sky is actually higher than we think it will be, and they actually fuck around and they win more than a few games than they're supposed to next year after they assume, you know, trade for Paul, that means that some other dudes on the roster stepped up, not in a minor way, but in a significant way. Oklahoma City didn't win whatever amount of games they won this year because um, of one dude, it was a team effort. And like, that's good all around. And if that's if the, if the worst thing that we could look back on a year on, if they make this trade and they like win a bunch of games, I think a bunch is a relative term when we're talking about the Knicks. But you get the point. Um, if that's the worst problem that we had. And it, it came on the backs, not only of him, but of the improvements that, you know, he made. And other like, man, that's uh, shit. That's not the worst problem um, to have. So, yeah, um, I'm I'm I've gone back and forth on this so many times. Maybe I'll go back the other way at some point if somebody convinces me otherwise. But I think this is where I'm at and uh, I'm comfortable with that. Jeremy, can you can you do me one honor before um, we get out of here this week? What's that? Yeah. Um, did you stick to your promise of staying away? For, did, did you lose your bookie's number for one week? <laughs> for the most part. Like, this is what I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Well, hold on. I, I got it.
1: I guess. So uh, the Clippers losing actually caused some futures to uh, be affected. So as a result, I was like, all right, let me just get to zero. Uh, at worst, I get to zero. And then I, I, placed down a, a bet with Miami and it didn't look like it was going to cash. It was like double or nothing. That's fine. I think I bet Miami heat second half by like three and a half points. They stormed back and they won the game. So I wound up with a surplus and I was like, all right, I could take it or I could run with it. And right now I've got like the little bit that I earned of a 14 parlay. Two of the legs of cash. We'll see if Kansas City wins. We'll see if the Lakers win tonight. At worst, I wind up with no money lost. So, um, no, John, I did not. Well, but there's a reason why I did not stick with my No, problems.
0: I'm happy you said that because here's the thing, listeners. If you want to be more like Jeremy Cohen, you know what you need to do? You need to get in touch with my bookie because as Jeremy just told you winning season means my bookie. That's right. My bookie will double your first deposit if you sign up. All you have to do is enter the promo code overtime. What's that promo code, Jeremy? What is that promo code? Go oh my god. I'm, I'm totally blanked. You're terrible. Overtime. Overtime. <laughs> I just said it's it. overtime. You're like one of my. I don't listen to our podcast, so <laughs> you're like you're like one of my you're like one of my students. I say something and then I ask them like What what did I say? Uh, um. Okay, so promo code overtime double your first deposit with my bookie. That means you're winning money on Sundays. That means you're winning money on NBA futures. That means you're winning money on um you know second half lines. All kinds of great stuff. There's still NBA games. There's baseball there's football is all uh, every conceivable thing. I think there is a. a tennis major coming up. You could, you know, wager on it all at my bookie. Once again, promo code overtime, double your first deposit up to $1,000 in free play. And best of all, you've heard me say it a few times, but I'm going to say it one more. Um, overtime is going all in for our listeners. So giving away $500 cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make that first deposit, take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisedcast.com. So what are the steps you're taking? One, go to MyBookie. Two, enter the promo code Overtime. Get your free, uh, double your first deposit. Then email your... Um, screen grab to overtime at advertise C-A-S-T dot com and $500 will be given away at the end of September oh my goodness that's in like 10 days Jeremy you are the man takes one to know one thank you John (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, should, we went We went 10 minutes over the, t- the the long the long end of what we wanted this podcast to be but our family is so loving and understanding that they won't mind tell your father happy birthday from myself and all of Nick's Nation and uh, to everybody out there thank you for listening to another episode of the Nick's Film School podcast be back with you with another great one this week um, and yeah talk oh, to you soon can I
1: plug two things yeah go no, please for go for it One is, uh, I've got two things coming for the Strickland. Uh, one is this article about 2022 and the other is, I believe it's this week. It's working with, uh, Drew Steele or Doug, who's affectionately, actually one time I went to send an, uh, an email to Drew and because he goes by Doug sometimes as a joke, um i actually almost sent an email to my father instead so it was kind of funny uh, but he and i are <laughs> going to do a free agent profile on one player i think it's out this week like i said um so you can check those out at the strickland uh the strict.land. dot land so yeah sorry to interrupt your outro just want to throw it out there and uh happy birthday to your daughter
0: thank you Um, it's always Uh, okay (laughs) it's it's Scarlet Ray first name Um, it's always okay to interrupt my anything I'm saying if it is for the Strickland Um, really just if you haven't visited the Strickland yet go uh, it's thestrick.land just putting out fantastic content the guys there are are, I mean everybody's working their butts off to put out really really quality stuff so um, check it out and uh, yes we'll see you soon and uh, enjoy your week be safe